Well, hello there, and thanks again for tuning in. Today's message is from April 26, where Pastor Jim speaks about peace being the antidote to our fear. We hope you enjoy. Today we're going to specifically talk about overcoming fear. In 1 John 5, 4, it says, For everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. And this is our victory that has overcome the world, our faith, our faith. So we've been talking about being overcomers in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the way God has built us and made us and interceded in our lives to make us overcomers. And uh, this morning I want to talk about overcoming fear. So let me ask you a question as we begin. What are you afraid of? What do you fear today? What is your greatest fear? Last week I was reading online and the CTV did a news article on the rising problem of rats in our major cities. And with many restaurants and other businesses closing due to COVID-19, the rat population has been forced to go further and wider to scrounge for enough food. With many restaurants and businesses closing and physical distancing happening, many people are staying at home. So it's resulted in less garbage on the street, less garbage in dumpsters. And so what rats are doing is they're going further and further afield to find food, and that may include your home. Bobby Corrigan, who is an urban rodentologist, from New York City had a phone in interview with CTV News. And he said this, he said, maybe for many months and months, a rat colony someplace in Toronto is benefiting from restaurant trash and now suddenly it has disappeared like any mammal, including humans, that when there's no food in the neighborhood, they go out looking for it. So during the pandemic, Able Pest Control um, says it has seen uh, a rise in the call of rat-related issues uh, since January of uh, this time last year uh, till now, a rise of 50% in rat-related issues that are happening in neighborhoods and in people's homes. He said... um, Uh, Rats can enter homes and uh, buildings, and they can go under door gaps. They can find cracks in foundations or gaps around pipes. And a determined rat, listen to this, a determined rat can squeeze through a one-inch hole, which is about the size of a quarter, and it can find its way into something if it's looking for a food source. The company reported that most calls are coming from urban centers. They're calling from Toronto. Uh, they're calling the rises in Halifax and Calgary, um, in, uh, in, in Vancouver, in the big city. So, like, I'm sure that those of us in Milton and Oakville and Georgetown and even Mississauga, hey, we're okay. Um, but seriously, what do you fear? What do you fear? Even as I speak about rats, does that kind of give you a bit of a cringe? Does that kind of get you, oh, that's not a nice story. What do you fear? What do you fear? Do you fear rats? Do you fear people without masks? 
walking down the street, not too far from you? Uh, do you fear, um, you know, other things? You know, some people I know fear squirrels. And they say squirrels are nothing but rats with furry tails. And so they have this thing against squirrels. I don't know where that comes from. But I know this, that the antidote to fear is peace. Peace. So let's talk about peace today. I want to talk about peace on the inside, inner peace. And then next week, I want to talk about peace in relationships, peace with one another. There are two misconceptions about peace that I want to point out before we look at biblical peace. The first misconception is this. Peace is not avoiding a problem. Peace is not when we sweep the tension or the difficulty or the, the, the conflict under the carpet. It's not where we all ignore it so that we can live at peace, so to speak, with one another. That's not peace. In fact, unresolved tension is one of the major uh, causes for marital discord and family dysfunction that there is. Unresolved tension where we just sweep things under the carpet. That is not peace. The other misconception about peace is peace is not appeasement. Peace is not appeasement. It's just not me trying to make you feel good or you feel better so that there's less tension in the home. Peace is not where one person wins and another person loses, where one person walks on eggshells because they're afraid of what might blow up or what might happen or somebody's anger going bananas. So when the word shalom is said, it really is being said that in your life, may, may there be order and well-being. May you have a sense of security. May you have a sense that there is a firm footing or a firm foundation in your life. Let me just say this. Peace is the result of obedience to God and assurance that he is in control. Peace is a result of obedience to God and assurance that he is in control. And both of those ingredients have to be there. Obedience to God and assurance in his sovereignty and control in our lives in order for us to have peace. Both those things have to be there. In the scriptures, one of my favorite passages of scripture when it comes to peace is found in Isaiah 48. In Isaiah 48, this is what it says. It says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Now, there's some words, key words in there to pay attention, attention to. The first one is this. I am the Lord your God. And what does the Lord our God do? The first thing it says is he teaches us. He teaches us to profit. He teaches us so that we might find blessing. He teaches us so that things might go well. That's what it says in the second part. Who leads you in the way that you should go. So the Lord God, he teaches us. He directs us. He shows us. He guides us. He protects us so that we know how we should go. And then what is the result from that? That you would have peace like a river. Peace like a river. I don't know if you ever heard that old song. We used to sing it years ago. You know, I got peace like a river in my soul. You know, it's a, an, an old song that we used to sing. Just a really cool old song. 
And I don't know if it comes right out of this scripture or not, but that's what the Bible's telling. If we obey the word of God and we understand that he is sovereign over our lives, the result is that we will have peace like a river and our righteousness will be like the waves of the sea. In this passage of scripture, you go down three or four verses to verse 22. Let me read it to you. It says, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. So he's talking about the fact that there's no peace for the wicked. So the peace that we want to talk about today is a peace that God has for us. That the Lord has for those who obey and trust him. And it's a direct result of giving him control of our lives. It gives us a sense of well-being and being grounded and secure. Let me illustrate. In the Old Testament, there's a really cool guy by the name of Gideon. I think it's Judges chapter 5. I think it might be chapter 6, actually. And we pick up the story where Gideon is in the wine wine press, and he's threshing wheat. What he's doing is he's taking wheat, he's grinding it out, and he is making flour out of it so he can bake some bread to feed his family. And he is hiding there. He's hiding from the Philistines because every time during harvest season, the Philistines would come and they would, uh, they would by force take any kind of bread or any kind of flour or any kind of harvest uh, goods and, and oppress the Israelites. And uh, the Israelites were starving. And so here we have Gideon. He is hiding. He is hiding behind a couple of rocks. He is grinding out some wheat. He is trying to make flour so that he can make that into bread to feed his family. And so you see the picture that's there. Then all of a sudden, intersecting the story comes God. And he finds Gideon in this hiding place. And this is what he says to him in verse 12. He says, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. Now, you've got to understand, it's kind of humorous. Gideon is crouching below a couple, uh, you know, between rocks. He's grinding this weed out. His head pops up once in a while here, there, everywhere. He's looking, you know, like a little gopher in a hole, looking uh, for the enemy where the enemy might be. And yet God speaks into his life, and he says, I know you. You are a mighty man of valor. Well, Gideon thought, what is going on? And then God says these things to Gideon. He says, listen, I want you to be the leader of the children of Israel. And here is how you are going to lead. You are going to lead them into battle. You are going to lead them into battle. And what's really interesting in this passage is that at the end of this conversation with God, what Gideon does is he goes and he builds an altar to Jehovah Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. The name of God that means the Lord is peace or the Lord is my peace. Now this is the first time that this name of God is revealed in the scriptures. Jehovah Shalom. And it's really interesting to find that after this conversation with God, that Gideon goes and builds this altar and worships Jehovah Shalom. Now, what's going on here? What's going on here? Something has happened in Gideon's heart. His circumstances haven't changed. He is still oppressed. He is still uh, 
in trouble. He is still, you know, having difficulty feeding his family. And not only that, God calls him to a place of battle, to a place where people are, people are going to die, to a place where there's tension and there's turmoil and there's hostility. And what does Gideon do? He builds an altar to the Lord who is my peace. How does that happen? How can Gideon make an altar to the God of peace in that situation? Well, it's very simple. You see, Gideon understood Jehovah Shalom. He understood peace. What it means to have a sense of security, a sense of direction, a sense of the presence of God in the midst of tension and turmoil and hostility and battle. You see, the peace that God promises you and I is not a peace that is absent of trouble. What he promises us is to find us in the midst of our trouble and to walk in with his presence and his power and to bring peace to our hearts even in the midst of incredibly difficult in overwhelming circumstances. That's what's going on here. To walk into our lives and speak peace to our spirit. Even with everything around us unraveling and coming undone, the God of peace comes. And he speaks to us. And it changes our hearts and it changes our lives. Understand this, peace is the fruit of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. It is when God's Spirit works in us in such a way that it produces fruit. That's what it says in Galatians chapter 5, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. It's not something that we conjure up, you know, if I just try harder, I'm going to be at peace. Or if I just trust God more, I'm going to be at peace. Or if I just fake it till I make it, I'm going to be at peace. That's not what's going on here. It is the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit where we love God and we obey God and we trust God and we understand that he is in control over everything and out of us just flows this supernatural peace that he does in our lives. That's what we're talking about today and next week. This kind of peace, this kind of peace that God gives to us. It's a peace that I think we all want. So if you look in God's word, there are three experiences of peace for the believer. Three experiences of peace. And uh, let me talk about two of them this week. I want to talk about peace with God and the peace of God. And then next week, I want to talk about peace with others, relational peace. Because I, I, frankly, I'm kind of you know, worried that you know, in some of our homes, tensions are rising. In some of our homes, stress is building. In some of our homes, maybe uh, we're unleashing these things in unhealthy ways. And we don't want to do that. And so I want to show you from God's word next week, I want to teach about how to have relational peace from the scriptures. But this morning, we'll look at the first two, and the next week, we'll look at the third one. So the first one is this. The first experience of peace for the believer is peace with God. In John chapter 14, 27, this is what it says. John chapter 14, 27, Jesus said this. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. 
Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. When we talk about having peace with God, what we're really saying is that God, through his son, Jesus Christ on the cross, has forgiven us of our sins, and our heart no longer condemns us. That's why it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 21, it says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. You see, it's a peace know that knows that our sins are forgiven. It's a peace that knows that what Jesus did on the cross has reconciled us to the Father. It's a peace that says, listen, I want you to understand, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's a peace that says God holds you in the hollow of his hand. And as the Hebrew, writer of Hebrews says, that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. That's the kind of peace that we're talking about. It's what John Wesley, that great churchman of the 1700s said. This is what he said. It was a very interesting quote. He said this. He said, my people die well. My people die well. Now, what did he mean? What did he mean? He meant when it came to a time of death, the people in Wesley's church had such amazing and wonderful peace that uh, their deaths, they, they just simply died well. That there was joy, that there was rejoicing, that there was hope, and there was peace. It's a kind of peace that only God can give. It's a peace that helps us understand that God is in control, that this, what's going on in this life is not all that there is, that our for, sins are forgiven, that life continues on, and there is an eternal life for the believer, for all those who've trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's that kind of peace that I'm talking about. It's the peace that I wrestled with as a 21-year-old when I was a new Christian, and I, I, and, and I said, am I really a Christian? It's a peace where the Spirit of God comes and says that my spirit bears witness with his spirit that I am a child of God. Let me ask you a question. Do you have peace with God? Have you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you prayed that prayer to accept him into your life and to know what it is to have your sins forgiven to declare him Lord of your life and walk out into a new day. That's where it begins. That's where you need to start. That's the first step if you haven't done that yet. Peace with God. Now let's talk about the peace of God. The peace of God. Let me read the statement. I read it a few weeks ago and I really liked it. It says this, if we find no peace within ourselves, it is useless to seek it elsewhere. If we find no peace within ourselves, it is useless to seek it elsewhere. You see, it's the peace of God which comes to our life as God's children, especially during dark times. We feel it. It holds us steady when we have a tendency to be unsteady. Now, in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, there's a great verse, and this is what it says. It says, says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, I want to point out one word there, and that's the word good, where it says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. 
for good to those who are called according to his purpose. And the word there, good, refers to ultimate good. It's when Paul says, we know that all things work together for good. What he's saying is we know that all things work together for ultimate good. Now, there are some things that you and I will never understand as long as we are here on earth. As long as we are on this side, um, we will always look through a glass darkly, as the scripture says. We will not always understand the things that are happening. Our vision won't always be clear. So in this earthly life, we will have earthly situations around us. And there are things that are going to happen to us where we're going to say, you know what, I don't think this is for my good. I don't think this is benefit for benefiting me. In fact, this is actually incredibly painful for me. This doesn't feel great at all. It brings grief to me, and it brings sorrow to my heart. But knowing that God is sovereign and that God is in control, Paul said all things work together for good, for ultimate good. In other words, we will not always understand that here on this side of the earth, but God's great plan, not only for us, but for all of his people, is to ultimately, way beyond what our eyesight can see, sometimes what our faith can even grasp, let alone what our mind can understand, that, that he works in our lives for ultimate good, for those who are in, living in obedience to him, and those who recognize his sovereignty and control in our lives. Do you know, I, I believe that God always heals. That he always heals. He either heals immediately, he heals gradually, or he heals ultimately. Either he heals immediately, and I've seen that happen so many times where we have prayed for people, and supernaturally by the power of his Holy Spirit, we have seen people healed. We've also seen people healed gradually, when it is a combination of prayer and medical treatment where we have seen people he healed gradually and come out of things that we never imagined they possibly could. But God also heals ultimately. He heals ultimately where, where, where when we pass from this life into the next, we are completely healed inside and out, from top to bottom. There's a complete and total healing in every aspect, in every area of our lives where God heals ultimately. All right, let me read Philippians chapter four, verse seven. It says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It describes this better than I possibly ever could that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, that you and I, as we think in human terms, as we think with rational thought, there's a supernatural peace that, that, that surpasses all of those things that is the promise of God to us. It's absolutely amazing. Let me ask you, do you ever think of peace as a guard? Guarding your heart? Guarding the entrance to your inner being, guarding your emotions and your thought life into to all that you are inside, that God will put a, a, a guard on the door so that nothing can come in and wreck any of the peace that he is supernaturally placing within you. 
And you might say to me, Jim, does that mean that I can have peace in my life when I'm going through dark times regardless of the trials and regardless of the circumstance? And according to God's word and his promise, that's exactly what the Bible is teaching. That's exactly what is being said here. Listen to me, I'm talking to you about a peace that transcends all human understanding. I'm talking about a peace that is beyond the touch and reach of humanity. I'm talking about a peace that God gives that the world cannot rob or steal or take away or wreck or ruin. I'm talking this morning about a peace that only God can give to you. It's a peace that will change your life, change how you live, and change everything about you. Mary and I, last week, we went on a bike ride. Um, we went on a bike ride around town, and we ended up at the Milton Cemetery, not far from where we live. And we went into the cemetery, and we began walking around, and sometimes we do that, sometimes I do that. And um, I, I have visited certain graves uh, of people that have been in our church and through our church, and um, it causes us just to... Uh, be mindful and prayerful of the families who have lost loved ones and of the difficulties that, um, that, that many have gone through. And when we, we go through that, our hearts are just very tender. And I know that he, that's even some of you today that are listening. But, you know, one of the things we realized as we were walking through the cemetery, through, through the new section, especially virtually every row of tombstones that we walked by, we knew someone in every single row. Every single row. Some young, some old, some from the community, some from our church. But we knew someone. That, I mean, that's what happens when you've, you know, been in a community for, you know, 30 years is you get to know so many people. And as I walked through and my heart was burdened for people who've lost uh, loved ones, uh, a memory stirred up in my mind of when I was a very, very young pastor. And I was a very young man, and Mary and I, this before we had kids, this was like 34 years ago, two of our dearest friends, um, at eight and a half months, they lost their firstborn child. Um, and it was in Peterborough. And we went to the funeral um, because I was asked to oversee the funeral. And uh, it was a very small, it wasn't really funerals, more like just a graveside internment. There was no funeral um, and there was only immediate family and Mary and I there, uh, my wife and I. And I will never ever forget the feeling of walking up to that casket. It was a little white casket. It was no bigger, no bigger than this and maybe about this wide. And this little white casket, and my heart just sunk. And my, uh, you know, as I thought of the loss and the heartbreak of, my, of our dear, dear friends, you know, I was just overwhelmed. And I, a couple days before, I was just praying, Lord, what am I going to say at this thing? Like, what am I going to say that's going to help? What am I going to say in the face of, crushed dreams in the face of this humongous, massive loss and heartache. And uh, the night before we gathered around the graveside, Mary and I, we met with our, our friends. 
this young couple. And uh, we met with them, just the four of us together. We prayed together. We cried together. And I'll never forget what they said to me. They said, Jim, we have a number of people in our family that do not know Jesus as their Savior. And there's one thing that they must know. They must know that we have peace and that we feel closer to God than we have ever felt in our entire lives before. And I thought to myself, how does that happen? Where lives that are crushed are redeemed, lives where there is a darkness, there has been given light, lives that, that, that it, it seems like, you know, the walls are closing in, but no, the walls, you know, are getting bigger. And even in the midst of sorrow, there is peace. And I thought to myself, how does that happen? And let me tell you how it happens. That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. He comes walking into our shattered dreams, into our crushed lives, into our broken promises, into our medical, you know, failures and sickness and financial ruin. And he comes in supernaturally, unexplainably, beyond human comprehension. He brings peace. Peace. The Prince of Peace walks into our lives and he changes everything. Let me ask you something. Do you know the peace of Jesus Christ in your life? Do you know as, a pastor, as your pastor, one of the great things I fear in this whole episode with COVID-19, in this whole time of self-isolating or staying at home, is that we not use this time wisely to love God more and to love people, you know, more dearly. Let me ask you something. Do you know this Prince of Peace? Do you have peace with God? Do you have the peace of God? Because I want to encourage you. The promises of God are not to be taken lightly, but they are to be taken and embraced. And, 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 and the Prince of Peace is meant to be invited into our situations, into our hearts, into our minds, into our spirits that are unsettled even now, and to change all of that forever. That's who Jesus is. That's what Jesus does. And I want to invite you to do that. I want to pray for us right now. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me, bow our heads together, and let's pray together. Father, I just want to thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your only begotten son, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, into this world so that we might have life and have it to the full. And so I pray, I pray for each one who's listening even now that we have trusted you as Savior that we know what it is to have our sins forgiven, that we know what it is to invite the King of kings and Lord of lords to take over our lives, to be obedient to him and to his word and to walk in his ways. And through that, to have peace with God the Father. 
And Father, I want to pray for every believer. I want to pray that we do not not waste this time, but we redeem it for your glory and honor. Bring peace to lives and hearts and homes and families that are disrupted, where tensions are rising, where strife is increasing, where worry seems to be the most important thing that happens in the day. Father, I pray that the Prince of Peace would rule and reign. So help us, Lord, to walk in your ways, to obey you, and to understand that you are in control and that you will never leave us or forsake us, but you will be with us as we walk this journey together. Amen. Well, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you would like to get connected or receive prayer or to begin a journey with Jesus today, please let us know by heading to nbc.life and we'll be sure to get you connected. In the meantime, have a blessed week.